from the twisted realm of science and the darkest pits of reason comes chilling tales of godlessness. Bear witness to the unfathomable terror that is... The Good Atheist! Welcome to The Good Atheist. I'm Jacob Fourteen, and this is your news for the second half of November. Christianity is a sinister death cult. The term death cult is not often used to describe Christianity, but it should be. I believe it is only because we have become numb to the sinister nature of this religion. It seems that every so often we need to be reminded that their obsession with the afterlife is a driving force of their ideology. How about something so terrifying you would think it the plot of some horror movie? A mentally deranged woman, fed the lie of the afterlife, killed her young son in the hope that doing so would send him to be with Jesus and God. The report said when James Short and the officers went into the bathroom, they discovered the 11-month-old who had been stabbed. The child was pronounced dead at the hospital shortly after. When interviewing April Short following her arrest, the court document said she admitted to hurting the child. Her two children told authorities that she had told them she was doing it because the child could be with Jesus and God. This horror show is courtesy of a lifetime of delusion and the absolving of personal responsibility by claiming it to be the work of a higher power. God is merely the unleashed ego of people who wish to behave in troubling ways that their own conscience cannot bear. For how long did people ignore her troubling behavior because it masqueraded as religious devotion? This is how pervasive this death cult has become, even as their adherents tell us openly that they pray for the day we are all destroyed, so that they no longer have to live in a world that challenges their beliefs. What else is heaven but a safe space for Christians who want to bask in the certainty of their choices? And where else but a make-believe fantasy land could offer them such satisfaction when even they cannot agree on matters as trivial as which part of the triune nature of their God is more important? Ohio priest gave opioids to addicted children to rape them. If you're playing Catholic rapist bingo, then congratulations for those of you with Ohio on your card. You're one step closer to the grand prize, which is a lifelong hatred of the church. I've won this prize long ago, so it's up for grabs. Yet another depraved human being operating under the watchful eye of the Catholic church has been arrested and charged for the crime of sexually abusing his young flock. In this case, it sounds like the sort of dramatic fiction that belongs to serialized dramas and not real life. For 15 years, Reverend Michael Zacharias used his influence and the power granted to him by his position to lure troubled kids into a life of drug addiction and sexual slavery. 
Testimony and evidence at trial showed Zacharias developed relationships with the victims' families when they were younger to gain their trust, prosecutors said. As the victims got older, he exploited their fears, their housing instability, and their criminal records to force them into commercial sex. If you've ever wondered how these kinds of crimes can perpetuate for so long, look no further than the cult of secrecy that manages it. The Catholic Church is the master when it comes to covering up crimes. They make even the most terrifying drug lords look like rank amateurs. The fact is that reporting abuse has far-reaching consequences to anyone with career aspirations. The internal legal system of the church allows pastors to sue each other for slander and libel if the charges are not proven, which, given the time frames of the crimes, can be quite difficult. They also face excommunication in some cases, which to a believer is the equivalent of being cast into the fiery pits of hell. It angers me that even the news outlets that had covered this story didn't publish any testimony from the victims, but allowed a guilty man to continue to preach his innocence as though he had nothing to do with the decades of abuse he perpetuated. Every news organizations that report on priestly abuse tend to bend over backwards to publish the bullshit lies from the PR departments of the Vatican, which pretends to give a crap about the abuse of children. Zacharias had been moved several times during his career. These types of shuffles are not uncommon for priests who start getting complaints from upset parents. I'd like to hear impact statements from the victims, not the crocodile tears of the very institutions that had this man on paid leave while the investigation into the abuse continued. They had access to the same information the police did, and no doubt more, and yet they chose to stand by him until he was found guilty. Now if there's any credit to be given to the church, and very little should be, it's that they quite literally invented the word for pedophilia. In their twisted view, they want credit for discouraging the practice societally. I would grant it, except for the fact that there are plenty of other cultures that reject it, so it does not take a great deal of moral fortitude to be against the abuse of children. Given that I know from my own father's experience in the Catholic education system, I can assure you that sexual abuse was only one of the forms of torture visited upon children by this vile institution. Decrying something and then performing these same actions in the safety of the world's most secretive organization should impress no one. It only highlights the failings of the priestly class to live up to the most basic moral precepts. Who else but a group of sexless men would want to be congratulated with inventing the word for abusing kids? As this generation's youth would say, that's highly sus. Vatican Forced to Reveal Secrets in UK Court The Vatican often portrays themselves as a religious order, but it's important to remember that they operate much more like a corporation than a religion. However, there are often times where they like to blur the lines, and in the process of enriching themselves, some of the deals the Church involved itself in occasionally go bad. 
When that happens, they suddenly require the intervention of the secular legal system. In a recent ruling in the UK over a real estate deal gone bad, the court is forcing the Vatican to turn over communications between two pontiffs who spoke of the deal over a variety of phone applications. The Vatican has tried to urge special privilege, but the court was having none of it. In a landmark ruling in the High Court, a judge, Mr. Justice Foxton, overruled the Vatican and ordered that they should disclose the highly sensitive correspondence. The documentation is at the center of what is known as the Vatican's Trial of the Century, where British financier Raphael Minicone is seeking to clear his name after being accused of defrauding the Catholic Church over a property deal. It's quite hilarious that two of the priests involved tried to argue that their communication over electronic apps somehow fell into the sacred realm. They went so far as to claim that revealing the documents that the court requested in discovery amounted to a grave sin. Imagine having to do business with a mega-rich organization that will pretend that their special rights, which I have argued strongly have absolutely no business existing in the first place, extends also to business dealings. It just goes to show how little they value it moralistically. It is simply a tool to be used to their advantage whenever possible. Only a gullible fool would believe that the intention of these protections are solely for the faithful. They are instead used to shield a secretive and sinister organization that covers up countless crimes. Nigerian pastor faked kidnapping to extort parishioners. Nigeria has a big problem. The country is cursed with a recent glut of kidnappings. For enterprising criminals, this has become a daily activity. Just last month, 50 people were kidnapped in a raid in the village of Begega, a small mining town in the north of Nigeria. There are so many kidnappings, in fact, that people now have to contend with fake ones instead. There's a cottage industry of fakers who use the fear of death to extort people they know out of money. One such scammer is Pastor Adegoke Adewuyi, who decided that the best way to get rich was to kidnap himself and trick his flock into paying for his release. His congregation was actually in the middle of getting the money together when the police busted down the door of Adewuyi's hotel room and arrested him along with his accomplice. The Christian Association of Nigeria has condemned Pastor Adewuyi's conduct, saying it was ungodly and unbiblical. Chairman of the association, Reverend Joshua Orekogbi, said such conducts bring Christendom into disrepute. Meanwhile, a church official of Pastor Adewuyi's revealed that he was in the habit of engaging in fraudulent activities, including forging signatures to withdraw money from the church's accounts. Let's recap. A known thief, elevated to a position of authority, abused his powers and scammed his own flock. When that wasn't paying the bills, he kicked it into high gear. This time it blew up in his face. Honestly, this sort of thing doesn't surprise us non-believers. Taking people's money by offering them a place in the afterlife is already a con. You are literally charging people to sell them peace of mind. 
orders of weirdos in outfits have been making large claims and demanding people's money for a very long time. It's not that much of a stretch to imagine someone taking this deceit to the next level. Who knows what kind of innovations pastors like Adewuyi have in store? Did anyone learn a lesson in all of this? No. If you hope that perhaps Adewuyi getting arrested might have taught him a lesson, then allow me to dispel such illusions. He's blaming Satan for what happened. You see, it had to be the devil that possessed the poor man, since the only alternative would have been to take accountability for his actions. I got ten bucks that says he'll eventually be forgiven, and goes right back to preaching once the heat has died down. I mean, his living appears to rely primarily on stealing money from his own church to enrich himself, since Christians are always falling over themselves to forgive scumbags. All he has to do is say he's repented, loves God, and they will give him the red carpet treatment. Mormon Leaders Accused of Covering Up Abuse There's an unspoken rule in large religious organization. If you're ever caught abusing someone, the church will go above and beyond to protect you. Now, as a decent human being, you might be curious as to why religions are so fond of covering up abuse. The reason is simple. It all boils down to money. As we recently reported on TGA a few days ago, when the Mormon church was threatened with a lawsuit for allowing the continued abuse of a young girl, despite having heard the confession of her abusive father, an Arizona judge decided that the church's right to confession was more important than the good of society. Who knows how many millions of dollars they would have lost in such a suit. Abusers are naturally attracted to organizations like Mormonism that provide not only fresh victims, but also give them the full authority of church doctrine to excuse their behavior. They also benefit from laws that protect them from legal ramifications. In the case of the Church of the Latter-day Saints, it's especially easy to get in. Victims who spoke to DailyMail.com said, spiritual confession was repeatedly used as an excuse for bishops to hide abuse from authorities, often allowing it to carry on for many years. Women claim church culture acts as a breeding ground for abuse, pointing to the belief within Mormonism that local bishops, laymen with no pastoral training, are divinely called by God and led by spiritual revelations, meaning their authority cannot be questioned. The Daily Mail released a particularly scathing report on Mormon abuse, supposedly inspired by the case in Arizona. They interviewed a number of people abused by their priests, and all of them shared a familiar story. The church is more interested in squashing potential lawsuits than stopping rapists. Keep in mind that this is the same church that has over $100 billion in the bank. They could obviously afford a few lawsuits. Can you even imagine any other organization in the world that would survive this level of corruption and evil? Just imagine if a modern corporation were guilty of silencing employees, preventing them from going to the police when they find out that their colleagues are raping children. We even allow religious organizations to file for a special type of bankruptcy protection in order for their money to be protected 
even when they lose judgments against them. Will there ever be a time when we wake up from this abusive con game? I have a question for believers out there. How many more of your kids need to be raped before you decide that maybe, just maybe, you should stop financially supporting these guys? I mean, for fuck's sakes, people have boycotted companies over not liking how someone identifies, but they can't do it for an organization that knowingly allows the sexual abuse of children. I will never understand why the blinders of a religion allow them to get away with murder. It's a moral failing I hope to see corrected in my lifetime. Sexually abusive Liberty University Dean kept his job. If you thought that it was only churches that protect their abusers, then allow me to correct this view. The desire of religious organizations to protect sexual misconduct extends not only to priests, but to school administrators as well. Liberty University is under fire for ignoring all of the allegations against former Dean Keith Anderson. For the last decade, Anderson has been accused of a variety of offenses, ranging from inappropriate sexual behavior to full-on assault. Anderson, who was her supervisor, arrived at her home with medication described as a single, unmarked and unwrapped tablet, the suit alleges. She initially refused to take it, but relented, she said, to try to get Anderson to leave. She became woozy and fell asleep. She woke up to Anderson's hands around her neck, the suit says. She then threatened to scream, and he finally left. While doing so, Anderson forcefully kissed her on the lips against her will, the civil suit reads. Liberty University receives millions of dollars in federal aid, which has prompted the government to get involved once the school failed to properly address the allegations. It's believed that it will issue a multi-million dollar fine, although the exact amount is not yet known. A dozen women are also separately filing a suit against the school, with two victims settling for an undisclosed amount. It's believed that more suits will be coming once the federal government is done conducting its investigation. Is this not all vaguely familiar for those of us that report on churchly abuse? Protecting men in power is their default state of being, so it never surprises me when yet another Christian organization is caught doing something wrong. For them, forgiving sin is more important than protecting innocent people. Why we as a society continue to give these groups money is beyond me. How many more rapists and abusers do they need to keep protecting before we finally learn a lesson? Christian school diplomas are a joke. How much should a good education cost? How much is it worth? Well, in Louisiana, the answer is quite simple. It'll be $465, please. That's how much it costs a person who hasn't done a day of learning in their life to buy a high school diploma from one of its religious, uncredited institutions. They should simply call these diploma mills, where the right price gets you the air of legitimacy. There's been a growing homeschool movement in the U.S. ever since the outbreak of COVID-19. Religious organizations have been busy lobbying the state to drop any form of certification program, which means that if you open up a private school, which also has no real requirements for size, 
you can hand out diplomas without a student ever having to step into a classroom. All you need is a wallet and a heartbeat. If that isn't enough, these fake schools will also lie for you. For instance, you can have the diplomas backdated, so it looks like you graduated in any year you wish. They will also put false information, like approved by the Louisiana Board of Education, even when this is a blatant lie. These schools advertise themselves as being state-approved, even when they aren't. Now, you might be wondering what the state of Louisiana is doing to stop these obvious fraudsters. I'm glad you asked. Since Christians have been lobbying so heavily for the right to lie, the state has no power whatsoever to stop them. Lawmakers occasionally try to repeal laws that allow for this ludicrous insult to education, but as soon as they do, well-funded lobby groups will ensure that these efforts are in vain. At least two unapproved institutions have had abuse scandals, but the State Department of Education says it has no authority to do anything in response. One of the most infamous is T.M. Landry in, in Bro Bridge, a 2018 New York Times investigation found the schools abused kids and made up transcripts to get students into Ivy League schools. It was still open, as of last year, with 15 children, according to state records. Another unapproved school in Baton Rouge, Second Chance Academy, has come under scrutiny since its head teacher was arrested on charges of sexually abusing students. Is that all you need to do to get away with abuse these days? Simply make sure that you're unaccredited, and then you needn't worry about pesky things like government oversight. Talk about perfect for religious organization. No longer do you need to worry about police involvements when you abuse the children in your care. Who wouldn't want to keep their flocks stupid, uneducated, and primed for abuse? Religion makes accountability impossible. One of the hardest things in life is taking accountability for your actions. For whatever reason, this simple and powerful act is abhorred by all. In order to relieve this psychic tension, religions offer an easy solution. None of your problems are your fault because an evil conspiracy is at play. For Christianity and Islam, their favorite bugbear is Satan the supposed prince of darkness that meddles in human affairs. This does away with a person needing to accept any blame for their own situation. Just don't forget to pay the tithe. According to one victim of a conspiracy to destroy his life, when his kids refused for the fourth year to even call him for Thanksgiving, Georgia lawyer L. Lynn Wood blamed the only ones he could. Satan and his cronies in the deep state, of course. What evil explains the last four years, Wood said. The devil and his minions in earth, the deep state and its operatives, their time is coming. I just have to wait on the Lord and trust the Lord. And I also look forward to the day when President Trump obliterates the deep state. I believe he is in the process of obliterating the deep state right now. Who wouldn't want to call this bundle of joy for the holidays? I can just imagine his poor children having to listen to his mad rantings at the dinner table. It probably got to the point where they all agreed that his presence in their lives was encouraging this type of behavior. 
I bet parts of them hope that the silent treatment might force him to take a look at his own actions and how they contributed to his alienation. With a man willing to blame outside forces for his own kids hating him, I doubt he's ever taken personal responsibility for anything in his life. Religion feeds into the ego of people, making them sanctimonious, holier-than-thou sociopaths who have no empathy for those who do not share their view. There is nothing worse than a combination of religious fanaticism and civil service. How is a person who is blinded by their own religious zealotry supposed to serve the people who do not share their beliefs? We've often seen the type of final solutions they have towards these types of problems. If we aren't careful, they are bound to try and implement them again. Panty-sniffing priest splinters family. There is something unique about the nature of priestly abuse. For starters, in some families, holy men are often seen in a different light than others. The church paints itself as bridging the gap between mortals and the divine, and for some folks, this represents the most important job anyone can have. Some people are so enamored with their priestly class that they will defend them, even at the cost of their own family. When a young girl in Miami, Oklahoma accused her pastor, Fred McCoy Gammon Jr., her sister and mother turned against her, accusing her of lying. They even testified in court that the abuse was impossible since his character is amazing, as one put it. These poor brainwashed fools threw their family member under the bus rather than admit the man is a panty-sniffing pervert. There is plenty of evidence to convict Gammon, including text messages he sent to the teen telling her how hot she was. His wife tried to downplay the whole affair, admitting that while her husband showed troubling behavior, he was repentant the whole time, which meant that everything was fine. When he confessed to her that he couldn't get the girl out of his mind, they fasted. This, according to her, was enough to get a pedophile to stop fantasizing about a young child. It obviously had no effect. The trial is still ongoing, but I think it's safe to assume a few things. First, this family is finished. You cannot survive something like this. Having your mother and sister take the side of the abuser is not something that a person can really forgive. The father, to his credit, didn't doubt his daughter. And when the scumbag tried to confess to him, Gammon was repeatedly beaten in retaliation. The father faces no charges. How he feels about his wife, however, is unknown. Secondly, we can reasonably assume that once Gammon is found guilty, there will still be plenty of people that will come to his defense, even when he's a disgraced priest. This is the power of religion. It can make you turn your back on your own child inside with a rapist. There's not a lot of ideologies that can claim such a powerful degree of control over a human being. Lastly, I think another tragedy in this story is the fact that the girl, now a young woman, is still interested in missionary work. Somehow, getting assaulted by one of God's representatives wasn't enough to convince her that this religion is an obvious con job. One wonders what it takes to get people to jump ship from such an organization. 
so long as religion continues to claim that they hold the keys to the afterlife. You can bet that desperate individuals will continue to let these organizations get away with murder. And with that, that's the end of the show, folks. Have a good atheist day, everybody.